Welcome to Seize the GM. I'm your host, Zended. I am your co-host, Jules. And I'm Garda Moje. Have you ever had a great idea for a campaign? Do you have a group of friends who want to play an RPG, but you have no one to run it? Do you want to see what the world is like behind the GM screen instead of in front of it? Well, we're here to help you do just that. Each week, the three of us will be discussing various GMing topics, terminology, maps, atmosphere, world building, you name it. So sit back and relax. Let us help you. Improve your art of GMing. One show at a time. Welcome back to another episode of Seize the GM. Welcome, 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 and glad you are listening. Now, today we're going to talk about something that many of you may be thinking about for the first time, maybe many, many times over, but in all honesty, we're recording this in the middle of the time of Corona, which means a lot of people are at home and on their computers, and a lot of microphones are sold out across the interwebs, which means... People are getting into podcasting. Or they're getting into doing streaming, which we don't do. Either way, podcasting or streaming means that if you're listening to this podcast, you're probably a gamer. So you could be thinking about actual plays or APs. Well, what is an AP? An AP is a streamed or podcasted role-playing game. You take a session, you record it, you edit it up, give it some fancy intro music, and put it out on the internet for fame, acclaim, and everyone to love. Yeah. Well, that's all nice and theoretical. Theoretical? You and I have both been on several of them. We have, but... See, an actual play is radically different from your normal home game. Maybe radishly different, but you're right. There are different considerations that you really need to take into mind if you're going to record a role-playing game for an actual play. Yeah, especially if you want to put it out for people to enjoy. Because... If you were to just take, you know, your your buddies that you hang out with and you, you know, bring them in and we're, like, we're going to record it. It is going to be different than what you would what you would see if you were doing something along the lines of like a critical role or one of the bigger, higher production APs that people see. As you work your way towards those higher production AP values and seize that glorious spot in the firmament of actual plays, A, (laughs) take us along with you, make sure that, you know, send your love and support our way. But B, here are some things that we think you should keep in mind from the very beginning that will help you have a successful AP, whether it is widespread, loved, adored, or just 
cherished by a few closely held players and listeners, here are the things that help you really excel in actual plays. Yes. So, uh, there's a there's a few that you need to keep in mind when you're when you're thinking about this. Um, number one is the rules, how they are used, and how consistent are you with them. Remember, people can be coming in at any time to listen to your first episode. You could go back and listen to the first episode of a, a actual play podcast from a decade ago right now. So, are you using a rules interpretation that most people agree on or that most people would recognize at any point? Yeah, because that is a big one. Um, it just as a an aside in this... So I've been running games for a very long time. I was doing an an AP. We were recording an AP for a fate game. And we had made it through about, I want to say, seven or eight sessions. And we took a, a long, we took a break. It was a pretty long break, like a month and a half or so. And when we came back, I had somehow in my head flipped the way aspects work. So, <laughs> that being the core, like, mechanical element of that game, you can't really mess that part up. Well, you can if everyone goes along with it around your table, but if you come back to it or have someone come in from the outside, they're going to see that problem and, and just kind of be confused. And let's be honest, if you're doing an actual play, you also want to put the best foot forward of the system and setting you're using. There's something you love about the rules and about the setting that you're using, and you want other people to see some of that joy and love that you get from it. Yes. Because that is that is a huge element of this is you're doing these most of the time because you really want people to see how cool this game system is or this setting that you're doing. Those are really driving forces in why you want to have brought that kind of a game to the table because. If you don't bring that, then it feels kind of dialed in. You know, like you're phoning it in. You're not really there for that. And that's something that you need to be careful of. But with the rules, that is one of those things that's at least in black and white. In a book somewhere. Or a suitable shade of gray if you get into those yeah. fun debates about you know rules as intended versus written which is a whole different show that we promise we'll get to later yes. <laughs> but make sure that the rules you're using are explained well and succinctly are used consistently and this is also some place to make the most use of something we've talked about before complex special subsystem rules uh, are best known by the player who has to use them <laughs> 
rely on them. And this is one place where I will really single out the Arcology actual play. If you go back and listen over the years, the character who plays Kenji, uh, the player who plays the character Kenji, who's the Technomancer, is relied on by Mr. Johnson to know the rules of all of that Matrix shenanigans, which, if you know, Shadowrun is arguably the most daunting part of the whole game. And so... Trust your players and lean on them, especially for an actual play, to know those sub-rules, be able to explain them, and share them so that you can offload some of that work. Yeah, because those those really cool like subsystems and stuff, you want to make those shine. And sometimes that player does know them better. Because... They're like, I I really love this thing in the game. So I'm I've I just study it. Like if we had to do something for, you know, like a lore thing. Hello. You are the one that I come to. <laughs> because I can be like, well, I remember this thing from like 1980-ish, and it was this, and you're like, oh yeah, it was this, this, and this. Let me pull up the reference for you, you know. But long story short, lean into your player's strengths. Because if they yeah. love something, let them really shine with it. And also, that gets us to our next point of the three we're going to talk about today. Your table talk is honestly minimized on the actual play, or at least on good actual plays. We all know how this goes. We're sitting around a table, we're having fun, we have perhaps a lemonade, perhaps a beer, perhaps a martini, we have roasted pork, popcorn, whatever it is. We're laughing, we're throwing popcorn across the table, we're making in-jokes and jokes and maybe enjoying each other's company as is intended a little more than we're playing the game. Right. Doesn't always translate well when you're doing an actual play. It doesn't. And humor is a is a tricky, fickle thing. It it's hard to get right in a game a lot of times. Whenever I'm running something, I try to minimize the things that I think are gonna be humorous because sometimes they they just fall flat and then it's just this weird awkward phase of like trying to bounce back from that. But if you just don't really bring a lot of humor, if something's funny, it's organic and it's natural. Humor's tough. Humor is one of the hardest things to do. Ask anyone who's ever tried to be a stand-up comedian, whether it was simple or easy, but you also want to focus what's being recorded and broadcast on the game itself and not necessarily on the players. And so staying in character, if you're using accents or some kind of differentiation, keeping in that matters. And even more than that, there are times where you just kind of go along with the plot. It's okay. It's all right. We know this isn't what your character would do. We know if you had your druthers, you would quite simply put your feet down, look at the 800-pound purple fuzzy hint monster in the corner, and say, 
Yeah, exactly. You would snub your nose at it and walk away in the opposite direction. But you're trying to do something for a larger audience than the people that are sitting around the table. And that's something to keep in mind. Because with an actual play, that's what you're trying to do is you're trying to present it to a large audience, hopefully. Or at least an audience of more than, you know, the the four of you that are sitting around the table. And that's you got why. four people? I actually have a fairly large group. I've got five players. <sighs> For the days when we would have three different tables of seven people each that would run their actions up to the GM in order so that they could be. Anyway, we yeah, wax poetic. But yeah, I actually just, have five players. So, Just like the rules are, are being used to present the game in its best possible light for people listening and to see what they enjoy about it, so too is, is the role-playing. And so minimizing the table talk lets your players focus on their characters. It lets those characters drive the action and not the players. And it keeps you on track. Yeah. Which beautifully segues to point number three I want to make. Do you like how I did this? Yeah. There's some talent here. There is, which is characters are pretty much not a normal character, but they're much more caricatures. They absolutely verge towards caricatures. It's a heightened reality. And so subtle characters don't work as well on APs. You need something that's going to grab someone's attention. Uh, You need a specific hook that a listener is going to latch onto. And... We're not saying that these characters lack depth, but we're saying that they hew much closer to archetypes than you may normally in a face-to-face game. Yeah, because what you want to do is you want to make those... um, I'm trying to think of the the exact... Like, those keystone uh, personalities. That you would recognize, you'd be able to recognize in in an instant. Well, it's the five man band trope. There's a reason so many cartoons, TV shows, anime have, you know, kind of a, a set roster or archetypes where, you know, you have the characters that fit into these larger themes of what role they're going to fill. Now, yeah, it's easy to kind of, you know, subvert those to change those, but I mean, you've got. Think, think about Voltron, if you really want to, which, for people my age, makes complete sense, and they've done a good job with it. But you know, you've got the big guy, the smart guy, the leader, the rebel who chafes at the leader. You've got, usually in those days, the girl. Yes, I was just going to say the girl. Captain Planet did a good job of kind of twisting that around to kind of the heart, to literally having heart as an element um, and filling that role. Think about uh, Super Sentai and the, its Power Rangers derivative. Yep. You have these archetypes, these common things that people will lean into. And so they understand their role relative to the other characters. And a, a listener or watcher has a good idea of, of their basic function. If you uh, watch 
leverage TV show we'll go back to over and over again, you watch five minutes and you've got a pretty good idea of how Hardison's going to react. You've got a pretty good idea of what Elliot's role is. And but it, that, that is the beauty of of using an archetype to build your kind of framework around. And that's kind of what you want to do as a player. You really do want to kind of create this very much larger than life caricature of what you would normally want to do. And it gives you a shortcut in building that character out. It's even easier in certain games and certain systems in uh, class-based games. The classes make it very, very easy to find those archetypes because, you know, the, they're built in. The fantasy <laughs> character in plate armor with a big sword and a big horse has certain tropes that come along with it. And you're going to lean into that or you're going to purposefully kind of subvert it. Right. But you're going to have an immediate understanding of who this character is. Yeah. It's it's when you don't have those class structures that it's important to think about the basic archetype of the kind of person that you're going to do and try to either play into or or diverge away from it as much as you can. But there's a lot of things to think about when you're wanting to do an AP. And now, these are three of the biggest ones to think about as you go into it. And so yeah. we know a lot of people have been at home and on the computer. We know a lot of people have thought about APs and streaming in the past. So we want to know. Tell us if you've started an AP, either from scratch or a new season or chapter of one you already have done before in this time of pandemic and social distancing. Find us on all the traditional social media platforms, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, etc. Or join our Discord and chat with us on our Discord server. Yeah. And let us know what you've started, where the link is, and if any of these three recommendations have been things you fell into before you even heard us say it. <laughs> also, if you are doing um, something like that, please reach out and let us know because we would love to get you on the show. We could do a whole nother thing about APs. <laughs> it's very easy. And I expect we will. But because we know your time is valuable, you have games to record, you have editing to do. Mm, sound editing, whole other topic. And so for now, we're going to go ahead and roll on into our next segment. And now we enter Stat Blocks. This is a segment where you can use something that we've created in your game tonight. Zen, go. Oh. <laughs> of course, of course. You would, you would do that. Okay. What, what was that? I'm not sure you actually heard anything. What do you mean you can still hear something? If you can, then what is the sound? 
it's a song. Now, that is impossible. There isn't any music. I don't care what you can hear. That is not a thing. Wait a second. Have you been doing some kind of illicit substance? Oh, no. Okay. No, I understand. No, you you haven't. Good. Have you been taking your meds? Wait. What what was that? No, there is no way. You're not talking about the wonder of this song. I know it is real. This is crazy. How am I not able to hear this before? I'm not even sure how I missed it. What did you say? I'm having trouble hearing you over the song. Please speak up. I'm not hearing you at all now. And welcome to silence. (laughs) Suitably creepy. It fits entirely within your ethos. Yeah, it does. I like it though. I, I, I like the the indiscriminate nature of it. It, you know, I was like, oh, I gotta come up with something. <laughs> I'm like, I got it, and so yeah. All right. So what do you have? Yeah, uh, the mottled tree dozing vole. It's far as mottled but shiny, with a long sinuous body combining for this friendly vole like creature you picked up on your last out of town outing. Its coos and warmth just make you think of home, and maybe even a nap. You don't expect to make new friends often, but this little critter wormed its way into your heart so easily you could not resist. Dappled, fluffy, and friendly, you could only smile as you got a sense of fulfillment from taking care of him. Or her. Or neither. Now that you've Think of it, you're not sure exactly what this little ball of good luck and charm is. You you know it means you no harm. You know you've grown to love it, but that is its own little mystery. That's fine. That is really cool. I like it. It's a neat little thing. I I have ideas. And these are, again, propagating forward. I, I hope to finish what it has begun inspiring in me this year. Well, that's good. So, just so everybody knows, as we we have said in in recent times, we inside each of the stat blocks on the show notes, you will find a little couple sentences of how you can use this, whatever the the stat block is in your game. So, go check those out because they're cool. So. Let's go ahead and and flip on into our next segment. Lexicon, where we give you cool words to help improve your vocabulary. All right. So. This is a fun one. Beret. Not 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 the hat I'm wearing? Not the hat you're wearing. It's a verb. And it is, I, I will spell it B E Y R A Y. I am going to admit that you got me. I have never 
my recollection seen or heard this word before. All right. Berade. Berating. Berets. The definition of beret. It is a transitional verb. It is archaic. And it basically means betray. Hmm. First known use, 13th century. Um, so it is from Middle English, from B, uh, B and Rayan to accuse. From Old English, which is Regan, and it's akin to the Old High German Rugen which is to accuse. And the lookup popularity is bottom 30% of words. I bet, yeah. Um, I mean, I, I can see how we get to betray from there, but yeah, yeah you, you got me. You got me on this one. <laughs> that's, that's, a hard, that's hard to do, folks. I, I think in the last, and I pick some pretty strange words sometimes. And and he almost always seems to be like, boom, this is where it came from. <laughs> there have been two or three that I missed. Yeah. This is up there. Yeah. So um, that is your value-added component in the lexicon from Seize the GM. But before we go, we're also going to go ahead and mention in our closing remarks some suggestions possibly based on what we've discussed today or possibly based off of what we have randomly been enjoying. I'm going to recommend that as you continue to spend time at home, possibly with access to a streaming service, you watch some of the old Battlestar Galactica, the original, the 1970s. It's a really great example of a classic show that would be a wonderful actual play. Simple premise. Last humans facing a robot uprising flee across the stars to find a new home. The characters themselves are iconic. Starbuck, Adama, Boomer, Count Balthar. All of these are characters who've kind of entered our pop culture lexicon because they were archetypal and played to their actors' strengths. This focused theme and understandable motivations give way to the unabashed fun that you can get from TV shows of the late 70s and early 80s. We're not really going to talk about that sequel set on Earth and the flying motorcycles today. No, no, nor should you ever. Okay, so I'm going to talk about Gangs of the Undercity. Now, full disclosure, I know several of the people that are working on this game. One of them happens to be the other voice that you've been listening to. I, not much on Gangs of the Undercity. Not really. No, not at all. Um, but it is what it, it is something that you should go check out. Now, it is ramping up to be what looks like a really cool game. Right now, it's still in testing, I believe. And finishing up the writing and everything else, because the Kickstarter is going to be going live for it pretty soon, like in July. So 
while I know it is getting close, I wanted to say a bit beforehand because we are going to be trying to get at least one interview with uh, Chad, who is one of the people that's been the driving force behind all of this. And hopefully a few other things from and about the game for everybody to see. Now, what were you going to say? Gangs of the Undercity is a mini-based skirmish game that is set in an alternate future with some lore videos that have just dropped. And so what you should do is go check out the uh, Frag and Unicorn Games Twitter for links to kind of some of the background of the setting, as well as pictures of the minis that are developed and being sculpted that are going to go with the game for the Kickstarter. And if you know anything about Opti, if you come out of the Shadowrun and Earthdawn fandoms, you've heard his voice as well. Opti, or as Scratch in the Earthdawn world, as the Orc Troubadour. He's written for those games and systems, and he's got a pretty cool little setup going on. Yeah. Yep. And uh, I'm I'm most likely going to be back. You should. You really should. It looks so cool. <laughs> it does. It Especially looks cool. Especially if you like minis. And we all know that you don't I, have any minis, so you know you need I, to fill out that shelf. I've never owned a single mini. <laughs> yeah. Um. So thank you for listening along today. Hope you enjoyed the discussion. Let us know your thoughts. Importantly, like, rate, and review the podcast wherever you get podcasts to help other people find it. Share links to it. And if you are so moved, please... Find us on Patreon to drop a few dollars, buy a coffee, or join us on our Discord for further chats and fun. Yes, please do. And so, until next time, folks. Roll some dice. Have some fun. You can contact us or the show using Twitter, Facebook, or plain old email. Our Twitter accounts are at Zendead, at Jules Podcaster, and at 2050 Gardemanger. And the show's Twitter account is at Seize the GM. You can find us on Facebook at www.facebook.com slash Seize the GM. Or chat with us and other RPG lovers in our Facebook group at facebook.com slash groups slash Seize the GM. You can email questions or comments to the show at admin at seizethegm.com. And if you have a few bills you want to send us, you can join our Patreon at patreon.com slash podcast, And we thank you. joining us for this episode of Seize the GM. Feel free to leave a comment about this episode on our webpage, www.seizethegm.com. Let the dice fall where they may, and we'll see you all again next week. Seize the GM is released under a Creative Commons Attribution Non-Commercial Sharealike 4.0 International License. All copyrighted materials referenced herein are held by their respective owners. 
No infringement intended and no claim of ownership is implied. The music for the show is Dreaming Spirit off the album Ghost Machine by the Enigma TNG. His music is released under a Creative Commons attribution, non-commercial, no derivatives, 3.0, unported license.